0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Your problem's with God, and your problem is your wicked heart. Be careful who you categorize as the enemy. Be careful of who you categorize as the problem. It may not be that person. It might actually be you just might be you. I've experienced this in my life. I've been around long enough, doing ministry long enough, where I've identified people as like, oh, that's the problem.
0: And God holds up a mirror and he's like, no, this is the problem. We all have a heart condition. The Bible says that our hearts are deceitful. We should take an honest look at ourselves. Do we need a heart check? Pastor James reminds us in today's message that when we have a problem, to look in the mirror first before we start blaming others. Are we a part of the problem? We need to assess our motives and actions and let God shape us and mold us. If we focus on God's goodness, His truth, and His character, then our hearts change. We start to become transformed to look more like Jesus. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Micah chapter 1 for today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: judgment's coming for you guys. They don't care about Micah. They don't care about his word. They don't want to hear anything he has to say. In fact, everything that he is saying, they hate, and they hate him because of it. But yet, as a prophet of God, he's like, you don't like me. I get that. But my heart's broken because judgment's coming for you. Is that how we respond to lost sinners? We're not going to get along with everybody. We're not going to agree with everybody or anything like that. But ultimately, when souls leave this place, it should break our hearts if souls end up forever separated from God. Well, what about this bad guy? Look, I'm not going to go into silly examples, okay? We're just not going to, all right? We're talking about your neighbor who maybe you have fights with because their shrubs are growing over your property line. Like if they pass away without knowing Jesus, are you excited about that? If so, you should repent. That's wicked. But don't we do that? So Micah's like, these guys hate me, but it breaks my heart because I know what's going to happen to them. I know what's going to happen to them. So he's crushed. He's crushed because he sees what's coming down the road. He's going to do his best to tell them. He's going to do his best to communicate to them. But like with most prophets, they don't want to hear what he has to say because it doesn't tickle their ears they got other prophets they can listen to they got a ton of prosperity preachers even back then they had a ton of them they're like no we don't like what you have to say Micah because that's kind of offensive for you to say that we're bad people this guy says we're good so we're gonna go with this guy and that breaks Micah's heart for these people he didn't get mad at them he's like fine Fine. You reap what you sow. You deserve it. Whatever. (laughs) Nothing. He doesn't do any of that. He's broken. He's lamenting this whole thing. Chapter two, we'll go right through this one because it it just keeps going. Verse one, it says, what sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night thinking up evil plans? You rise at dawn and hurry to carry them out simply because you have the power to do so. The main sin that we're going to be addressing in this chapter and that plays right along with with verse one there is covetousness, which Paul attributed covetousness to idolatry in Colossians three, verse five. To be covetous of something else or someone else means that you're an idolater. You're placing something above God and you're desiring something else. Maybe it's something that somebody has, but you're desiring that thing above God. That's idolatry. This is what they were guilty of. He says, when you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want somebody's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his family's inheritance. But this is what the Lord says. I will reward your evil with evil. (laughs) You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly for it will be a terrible time. So obviously there's people who have power and influence and they were exploiting the poor. Maybe show up to anybody's house and be like, I want your house. Well, this is my family's house. Too bad. I got money. I got power. It's mine now. I want your land. It's mine now. Like it seems crazy, but these are the things that were happening. So the poor were being oppressed and these people with riches and wealth. And and look, wealth is not... A sin, okay? I know there's some dudes out there who would like this. There's poverty gospel kind of nonsense too, of like, if you have a bunch of money, then you're probably a sinner, okay? That's dumb, right? Like, if you have a bunch of money, praise God. He trusts you with a bunch of money. Use it for His glory, use it for His kingdom. Who cares how much you have or how much you don't have? Like, use whatever He entrusts with you to His glory. Rich people are not bad people, poor people are not bad people people are just bad people, right? We're just all sinners. Like some of us have deeper pockets than others. That's just how it is. But you can't use your wealth or your power to take advantage of people. That's wrong. And you can't use it to manipulate other people. That's wrong. We see this happening in our day and age, but you definitely see it happening within the church sometimes. Do you know how much I give? No, I don't actually. I don't. I don't really care either. Do you give? Because that's a spiritual discipline. You should do that. That's Tithing is what you should do. It's an act of worship. Do I know how much anybody gives? I don't. I don't. Nobody's going to influence me one way or another. Sorry. I don't listen more to people who have deeper pockets. I just don't. This can be used as a manipulation tactic within churches. A lot of churches are kind of run by the people who have the most money within the church. That's a sad reality. That's not how it's supposed to be. I think God has appointed a pastor to be a pastor over a church to lead and shepherd that thing. He didn't put rich people in the church to run the church. This was going on. They were taking advantage of people. They were stealing. Essentially, what's going on here is they're stealing. They're breaking God's commandment to take what they want. But God's like, yeah, you're going to reap what you sow. You can repent of that, essentially, but if you choose to continue on with it, well, judgment's coming for you. And it doesn't matter how much power prestige or money you have. Nobody's spared from consequences. Verse four, in that day, your enemies will make fun of you by singing this song of despair about you. We are finished, completely ruined. God has confiscated our land, taking it from us. He has given our fields to those who betrayed us. we Don't sing that worship song, do we? That's not on the playlist? No, that one's never in, that's not in anybody's playlist, right? And may it not be in your playlist, right? No, you don't want this to be true of you. What you want would be the opposite of this. Is like, well, I've been made alive. I'm not finished. I'm just starting in Jesus, right? Like, I'm not completely ruined. Man, I am fully complete in Christ. He hasn't confiscated anything from me. He's blessed me abundantly, if you're going to sing a song or have a song written about you, you want it to be the opposite of this one, is what I'm saying, all right? Others will set your boundaries then, and the Lord's people will, will have no say in how the land is divided. We just went through numbers, and we saw how God had divided out the land and put it onto the leaders of the tribes of, like, going to the land, mark off the boundaries, bigger boundaries for tribes that have more people, smaller boundaries for tribes that have less people. Now God's like, you don't get any say. You've lost it. And that's what happens with sin. Sin robs you. It just robs you. It robs you of a lot of things. It robs you of position. It will rob you of influence. It will rob you of your boundaries. Other people will come in and set your boundaries for you. Verse 6 through 11, just to summarize this whole thing here, this is sin of rejecting God's word. Don't say such things that people respond. Here's the part where we get a good window into the fact that they hate everything that Mike is saying. He's speaking the truth, but they hate what he's saying because they're realizing, you just wrote a song about us that didn't sound really nice. It's kind of like a breakup song. Like, you just Taylor Swift us. Um, like, that whole song's about us. Like, we know, we, we get it. You're saying we're destined for destruction. So their response to this is, don't say such things don 't prophesy like that i 'm sorry, but if you don 't understand what prophecy means, prophecy does not mean like somebody gets up and says whatever they want to say. For a prophet here, Micah, he gets up and he says what God tells him to say, so it 's just really kind of just kind of wacky that they would even be at this place where they 're like don't say those things to us well i 'm a prophet that 's what I do that 's my one job is to tell you what God is. Telling you, well, we don't like it. They say such disasters will never come our way. Such disasters will never come our way. That'll never happen to us. That's true of the northern tribes, but that can be true of us. That's true for that church, but that can't be true for us. That's true for that Christian, but that can't be true for me. Beware. Beware. Should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's Spirit have patience with such behavior? If you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting. God's word does good in the lives of those who want to do good and obey the Lord. Like you want to be able to open up the word of God and be, yes, there's going to be conviction and correction, but there's also blessing that comes from the word of God. Usually the ones who find the most blessing from the word of God are the ones who are like not living in flat-out rebellion against God. If you're living in flat-out rebellion against God, and you're opening up the Word, you're just like, ouch, 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 ouch. I think he's just like, there's all this bad stuff about me. Like, Yeah, fix that. Stop doing what you're doing. That's what Mike is telling the people. He's like, if you do what is right, you'll find my words comforting. Verse 8, he says, Yet to this very hour my people rise against me like an enemy. The people are coming against me. And he's like, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. But your problem's not with me. Your problem's with God. And your problem is your wicked heart. Be careful who you categorize as the enemy. Be careful of who you categorize as the problem. It may not be that person. It might actually be you. Just might be you. I've experienced this in my life. I've been around long enough, doing ministry long enough, where I've identified people as like, oh, that's the problem. And God holds up a mirror and he's like, no, this is the problem. It's me. Be very cautious. Be very cautious when you're going after people, especially within the church. They're the problem. We just fix them. They're the problem. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe we're the problem. You steal the shirts right off the backs of those who trusted you, making them as ragged as men returning from battle. You have evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped their children of all that God would give them. Up, be gone. This is no longer your land and home, for you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. Leviticus chapter 18 speaks about how if God told him, if you defile the land... You will be destroyed by the land. The land will reject you. Just came true. Look at that. Word of God comes true. Even Leviticus. The word of God's coming true, right? And you're like, oh, anything good come from Leviticus? Yeah, a warning that they didn't heed. And so God's like, I told you. If you're going to bring that idolatry stuff, that idolatry garbage into this land, guess what's going to happen? Your fate will be just like the people who occupied it before you. Remember? We booted them out. And God told them, we even saw at the end of Numbers where He says, If you don't pursue me purely, abandoning all the idols and all that stuff, what's going to happen is God told them, I'm going to treat you just like the people who occupied the land before you. So they had the warning. There's no excuses. We didn't know. We didn't know, God. If we would have known, we would have been better. Yeah, right. That's a lie. You did know. You did know. You knew for hundreds of years. (laughs) So here's where the uh, prosperity preacher reference comes into play. Verse 11, the last bit of this rejecting of the word of God. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol, right? That's just the kind of prophet you would like, right? So here's Micah who's like, dude, you guys hate me because I'm just telling you what God says. Yet the preacher you want is the one who's like, let me tell you all about the joys of... Wine and alcohol. They want somebody who's, we're going to show up. We'll do the thing. We'll do the church thing. We'll show up. You tell us a bunch of encouraging stuff. Make us feel really good about ourselves. We'll maybe put a little extra in the box for you. And then we'll go about our merry ways. That's who they were desiring. Just like Paul is going to say later on where, you know, there's this great apostasy that could be happening right now where people will leave the church Because they're not getting their ears tickled. They're like, well, we can find, I can find what I need from a handful of other prophets. No, you won't find what you need in those people. Exactly. You'll find what you want. You can find what you need in the Word of God and with, I'd say, men and women who faithfully teach the Word of God whether it's from a pulpit, women's Bible studies, youth ministries, children's ministries, individuals who just will actually get up and just teach the word of God in all its harshness at times. The cool thing about this chapter is it's like you got the indictment at the very beginning of chapter 1, the lament from Micah at the rest of that chapter 1, and then it goes into here's your sins basically. There's going to be more that's listed later on, but at the very end of chapter two is the promise of hope. Because it's just heavy. It's just heavy stuff. And you're like, ah, ah, ah. Just tell me some good news. Here's your good news. Someday. Well, that's, no, no, like, no, today. No, someday. That sounds too ambiguous for me. I'm sorry. I can't, I don't know when your someday is. But if you're a Christ follower and you're following him, Your someday will come. It will. I don't know when. But for the nation of Israel, he says, someday, O Israel, I will gather you. I will gather the remnant who are left. God will always leave a remnant. Here's an encouraging thing for you. You ever feel alone? You ever just feel alone in this thing? Yeah. You'd be surrounded by a ton of people and you're like, I feel like I'm just the only person here. Kind of like an Elijah moment where you're like, God, it's just me. And he's like, oh, I've got a lot of other prophets over here. So it's never just you. It's never just you. There's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. And this is a word that was spoken to me when I was a youth pastor. And it's one that I repeat to anybody, whoever is in charge of leading a ministry. And they get all bummed out because nobody shows up. Oh, well, number one, welcome to the ministry, okay? What do you want? Like, you think it's going to be full house all the time? No, of course not. How do you handle that? What do you do with that? You run with the remnant. Run with who shows up. That's what you do. You appreciate what God has entrusted you with. Whether it be people or finances or opportunities ministry-wise and all this stuff, you appreciate what God has entrusted to you. You run with the remnant. You are not alone. You are not alone. You're not. And I can tell you this. Even if you are physically alone, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But That doesn't count. He's a real person. Yeah. He's a real person. That's good theology. He's actually a real person. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. The three are one, and the three are distinct. How does that work? I don't know exactly, but it works really well. Really well. In fact, it works so well that, I mean, technically, they didn't even need us. But they're like, let's make humans who are going to spit in our face and rebel against us. Well, thank you, Lord. That kind of makes me appreciate my existence just a little bit more. I don't have to be here. God didn't need me to be on this planet. But he chose me to be on this planet. Because ultimately, he wants a relationship with me. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And then beyond that, like he sends his son to die on the cross for all of James's sins. And then he raises three days later and he ascends up to the father 40 days later after being seen by 500 plus guys, eyewitnesses. And then even Jesus had just dropped a bombshell on the disciples. He's like, oh, I'm going to go away, but something better is coming for you. What could be better than Jesus? <laughs> the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You're not alone. You're not alone. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And I know that that's like, yeah, that's, I get it. But I need, I understand what you're talking about. I understand where you're coming from. The Lord always has a remnant, though. He always has a remnant. He's going to gather the remnant who are left. He says, I'll bring you together again like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy's cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you, the Lord himself. In case you have any question who he's talking about here, the Lord himself will guide you. The king that's being referenced here, obviously seems like it. This is a, a prophecy concerning a future king named Jesus a future shepherd, the good shepherd named Jesus. But God will spare his remnant. You're going to see that phrase listed again in chapter 4, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7 through 8, and chapter 7, verse 18. Micah's going to hold on to that. God will spare his remnant. God will spare his remnant. God will spare his remnant. He's going to gather them to his future kingdom. There is a plan for you. There's a plan for me. You don't got to go through this life all alone, so to speak. God's got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for me. He's got a plan for his kids. We're going to trust him that he's got everything in control. And in the meantime, I got to keep checking this heart that I have because it's deceptive and it's wicked. I got to keep going to the Lord, like, Lord. I don't know. I just woke up, but man, is there, did I store up anything inside of me That like I, that's like a wicked way or like at the end of the beginning of the morning, end of the day, just heart check, heart check. A lot of apologizing I do before God. A lot of apologizing. Okay. A lot of that. Start off the morning, like, okay, Lord, this is the day. This is the day. It's all for you today. End of the day. I'm like, oh God, I don't know what happened. I'm so sorry. I, just, I got a list. was hoping it'd be shorter than yesterday but it's actually longer than yesterday i don't know how this works but let's go through this lord and lord tomorrow tomorrow i'm all yours right wake up holy spirit please fill me and then add it to the list add it to the list i think that that should be a daily practice for every christian if you don't have something to repent of by the end of the day i don't know if you're actually alive um (laughs) I'm not saying you're bad people, but I'll it. but you are normal people. I'm not saying you got a laundry list of stuff. Maybe it's just a few things. I don't know. I was taught that by another pastor. And that's what I want my heart always to be. I never go before God like, I'm good. <laughs> I nailed it. I never do that. Because I know I'm not, I'm just not good. In Christ, I'm righteous. I have his righteousness covering me. I have no problem with that. But James still makes a bunch of dumb decisions. Bunch of sinful. James lives for himself a lot. I just do. So I got a lot of things to own up. And I make repentance like just a part of my routine, man. Just, yep, Lord, here I am again. You know what's cool about that is he never gets tired of me. He just never gets tired of me. He's never, his love is perfect. So he's not like rolling his eyes from the throne room. Like, oh, here he comes again. Jeez, like you'd think he would get it by now. This is 20 plus years this kid's been walking with us. No, it's never like that. He's like, come on in, come on in. Hey, keep coming back as often as you need to, as often as you want to keep coming. There's forgiveness, there's grace, there's mercy, there's all that stuff. Yeah, and there's a spanking here or there that needs to happen sometimes. But man his, his door is always open, always open. And, and I appreciate that. And so there is hope. There's hope for you, there's hope for me. but I got to keep this thing from just going off track. It's going off track. and that's what Mike is trying to do for the children of Israel..
2: Hope,
0: You've been listening to Bread for the Broken in a series that you just don't want to miss. Pastor James Grizzle has been walking through the messages that God gave to the prophets in the times that Judah and Israel were not only holding God at arm's length, but also suffering under oppression. It doesn't sound too different than when I let my own selfishness drive my decisions. Am I alone in that? What's amazing to me is that God's love for His children isn't conditional. I love that it's not dependent on what I do or what I don't do, but he does desire an authentic relationship with you and me, a friendship that isn't second best. I urge you to not replace him with the things of this world that eventually fade away. Will you join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday night at 7 p.m. to hear more of God's Word? For those of you that can't make it in person, don't worry. We live stream all of our services just for you. So find us on Facebook today. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that and a laid back atmosphere, then you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, look around a little. You'll find our location, a bunch of archived messages, and a place to give to the ministry. We'd love to have you partner with us as we praise the mighty name of the Lord Jesus together. And with that, we're coming to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you decided to spend your day with us here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of you.